Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Charities are feeling the pressure of rising costs and more demand. Many Ontarians are struggling to make ends meet. Hamilton's construction sector passes the $1 billion mark again. We remember CHML's longtime mayor of the morning. Would you shop at a store with virtual cashiers? And more and more new music is popping up on vinyl. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. As inflation soars and recession fears rise, charities across Canada are being hit by a double whammy. On one hand, there's rising costs. On the other hand, there's more demand for their services. Brother Richard McPhee is the executive director of Good Shepherd and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Brother McPhee, how are you today? I'm good, Rick. Yourself? I'm fantastic. Thanks again for joining us today. We are, as I said, seeing rising inflation, interest rates going up, gas prices high. At least they've come down a little bit. The cost of living in general has risen dramatically over the last number of months. What has been the impact on Good Shepherd? For, for the Good Shepherd, it's been really quite alarming in terms of the number of families that are turning to us for food particularly those families that are in need um, and those that are coming to us for our hot meal programs. We've seen a 49% increase in the number of people thinking that are new families coming to us. And in, top, in terms of that, we've seen a number of uh, individuals coming to our food line um, for a free meal each day because of the fact that it's the, cost, the rising cost of rent is causing all kinds of problems with the challenges of... Um, the whole issue of just basically having so many people come to us for food and also their rising cost of rent is causing uh, an unbearable situation for many of the poor in our community. 49% spike in new families um, accessing your services is unbelievable. Does that mean the demand and the pressure on Good Shepherd is greater than ever? Absolutely. Um, our, our costs continue to go up in terms of trying to find uh food to give to people and also to purchase food. But on top of it, I think it's become a real challenge in terms of the number of uh, vacancies that we have, which is a common thing across the whole market in that we're experiencing people, the shortage of, of people to work in our field and to be able to compensate them appropriately. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Brother Richard McPhee, Executive Director of Good Shepherd. We're talking about the uh, rising cost of living and how it's impacting charities uh, all across the country. Uh, Not only is Good Shepherd and other charitable and community organizations dealing with higher demand, as you mentioned, are rising costs and even the fears of a recession impacting funding and or donations? So far, donations seem to keep are keeping a pace with what we expected people might be giving to our organization. I, we're still anticipating that we're, we will be seeing uh, program uh, funding cuts. Um, we're not exactly sure what that's going to be. People have talked about it uh, because of the, the fact that uh, we've come through the pandemic thus far, and there have been a lot of costs that have been associated with that across our healthcare sector and social service sector. So... It's something that we're waiting with bated breath on, and not exactly sure where that's going to do, what that's going to how that's going to play out within the organization and, and in the, the charitable sector. We're hearing from some organizations that they're having to pull back on some of the services they offer to weather this financial storm. Is that something that Good Shepherd is considering, or ha- maybe has already done? Uh, not so far. We've been uh, people have been able to uh, give to us and, and support us 
and we've been able to meet the demands as we've gone forward. But I'm sure it'll be something that we're going to have to look at, particularly with regards to the availability of food to give to people and uh, the inability to turn around and necessarily purchase all that food that we're going to need in the future. How big of an impact has just the rising food part of it been for Good Shepherd? Uh, it's been almost a 20% increase in terms of the cost of food. Wow. The purchase of raw food. Uh, we were doing pretty good. I mean, we were all, I think, feeling pretty good about our progress of pandemic recovery. Uh, you know, we saw that light at the end of the tunnel. Now comes this litany of financial pressure. It's really tough on so many people, especially the most vulnerable, the people that you uh, cater to. That's for sure. And, and particularly people who are on some type of fixed income. I mean, we've all seen uh, the reports in terms of the rising costs of rents in the rental market for people in our community. And when you have very, you don't have a lot of income and you have to pay the rent or, or buy food, it becomes a real challenging issue. And we've seen that time and time again in terms of the number of homeless families that are turning to us. Um, we are com- at complete capacity at our shelter and probably have about 80 families in hotels as of last night. Wow. Is there any uh, light at the end of the tunnel in this case? How, you know, what's the forecast in terms of maybe um, not feeling as much pressure? We're looking a year out, maybe even more than that? I think so. Um, Hopefully there'll be some responses uh, with regards to the need for more affordable housing. Uh, That is really the solution to many folks' uh, problems. Um, but we're going to need to be able to build that housing and get it on stream so that people can, in fact, have a decent place to live that they can afford so that they can provide meals and a roof over their head for their families. For those who are capable of donating to charitable organizations, Good Shepherd is certainly one you should look at. You can find them online at goodshepherdcenters.ca. Brother McPhee, thank you for your time today and enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, Rick. Brother Richard McPhee, Executive Director of Good Shepherd. Uh, You can also donate to the CHML Children's Fund. One of the agencies that the fund supports is Good Shepherd. And, you know, keep this in mind. Uh, Charities uh, across this country are feeling the brunt, that that double whammy, if you will, the rising costs of, let's say, buying food if they have a, a food program. And handling more demand because as all these costs rise more and more people are looking at their household budget thinking we can't make ends meet we need some help we have to call and visit an agency like good shepherd Uh, canada helps you're probably familiar with the name an online charitable fundraising platform raised about 450 million dollars in 2021 a substantial amount of money That was down 2% from the previous year and is the first time in its 22-year history that donations fell year over year. Just a small sample size of the pressures that charitable organizations are facing. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Uh, There's a new Ipsos poll out that shows more than a quarter of Ontarians, 27% to be exact, are being forced to make difficult decisions to make ends meet as we see rising interest rates and inflation batter household budgets. The findings are included in the latest MNP Consumer Debt Index. And joining us now from NMP is John Athanasiu. He's a licensed insolvency trustee and senior vice president with MNP Limited. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Is there a statistic in this poll that really jumps out at you? Um... How nearly half are cutting back on non-essentials, such as traveling, dining out, and entertainment. We saw about 45% of the respondents said they're uh, 
they're starting to kind of scale back a bit, so that's not really good for the economy. So we'll see if there's any sort of long-term impact if we kind of continue along that path and see what happens going forward. Yeah, the, the one that really surprised me, I think, the most was the 27% that are cutting back on essentials, such as food, utilities, housing, because many of those things are hard costs. You know, utilities, uh, your your heat and hydro, your water, whatever the case is, your your rent or your mortgage, there's not much movement in that regard. So it, it seems like people are buying less food or maybe buying cheaper varieties of it. Right, and that that's, like, we see it all the time. Like, people come into our offices and, and we help put together a budget with them and uh, sometimes we'll see the the family cut back on food rather than not making a an interest payment on a bill. So it, it is disheartening, but it is true. That's the reality. I don't know what it is in our in our subconscious or people's uh, integrity, right? So sometimes they don't want to you know fall behind on a payment to like a big uh, credit card or whatever the case may be, and they'd rather just take food off the table. So it's almost like they're sacrificing their health just to kind of pay bills when the reality is they should be focusing on their health versus uh, focusing on how to make payments to some of these large uh, credit card companies. What's especially concerning as well is that less than half of Canadians actually have a budget. So they're really in the dark in terms of what's coming in and what's going out. Yeah, and that's another thing, right? Like um, education, um, you know, we've all come up through the years and this whole credit driven economy has kind of been you know not really forced on us but it's come on us really quick like it's only been i guess in the last 30 years where we've seen cash slowly disappearing and uh, we're all being we're all not merely being forced to use credit but it's it's so available and it's just convenient and i don't think in the meantime there's been the proper education for people to understand how credit works and uh, you know what exactly you're paying for when you get that monthly bill every every month and you're happy to be making a minimum payment. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Jonathan Asiu, licensed insolvency trustee and senior vice president of MNP Limited. We're talking about a new poll from MNP that shows a quarter of Ontarians being forced to make difficult decisions to make ends meet. Inflation's up, interest rates on the rise, we're paying more for food and gas, house prices have gone up, although they've crept back down a little bit, Uh, the rental rate is still sky high in this city, the cost of living overall has risen considerably. I would imagine, and you'll see this more than anyone, that not many people were prepared to weather this perfect storm, or or is that not the case? Well, uh, we'll see. Um, There's one interesting stat that uh, just came out recently from the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy. Uh, They've released their May filing numbers, and we've actually seen for the first time in a while uh, insolvency numbers are on the rise. So we saw a 23% jump in Ontario uh, for filing numbers from October of 2021, not October, sorry, uh, May of 2021 to May of 2022. So we haven't seen that in, I'd say, almost two years. Um, this is the first time in a, in a little while where we actually saw a little jump in, in April and now we've seen a bigger jump in May. So that may be a sign that people aren't really prepared for what's coming. My guess that number is going to increase over the next year or so because, you know, we're just starting over the last couple of months to see those food and gas prices really go up. Interest rates, more uh, interest rate hikes coming from the Bank of Canada. I'd imagine that 23% figure is going to jump considerably. Right. We're probably going to get to pre-pandemic levels. Like prior to the pandemic, the economy was kind of uh, seeing really high, like record high insolvency filings. And then suddenly when the pandemic came around, 
the floor fell out from the insolvency world and everything went quiet. So I think we're now we're starting to see the wake-up call. And, and it's unfortunate because we're also starting to see record high inflation and uh, uh, just life, like you said, is, is getting expensive all around us. Is there one thing that our listeners should be doing to avoid that pitfall? Well, uh, see a professional. Like So there are uh, a number of counselors out there like that, consultants, that type of thing. We're licensed insolvency trustees here at MNP. We're legislated by, there's a legislation that we uh, follow and we administer for people. We're licensed by the government. So, you know, stop in to see a licensed insolvency trustee, make a call, sit down, uh, go over your cash flow with a professional. There's also debt counselors out there, like not-for-profit agencies in our community, especially here in Hamilton. We've got a lot of uh, resources that people can use. So, yeah, most definitely be proactive, sit down, make a budget, see a professional. One of those companies you can contact is MNP. John, appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, Rick. That's Jonathan, a CU licensed insolvency trustee and senior VP at MNP Limited. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We're talking about economic development in Hamilton, and there has been a lot of it in this city, especially over the last 10 years. Case in point, the city has hit $1 billion in construction activity each and every year for the past 10 years. Here's Hamilton's chief building official, Alan Shaw. This is the 10th year in a row we've had over a billion dollars worth of development. Uh, the last two years we've seen over $2 billion in the first six months. Uh, it's a good indication that the investors and the developers are confident that the uh, city of uh, Hamilton has a, has a future in regards to uh, prosperity. Absolutely. There's a future of prosperity in this city, the ambitious city, as we've been known to be called. And this, I would imagine, this dollar figure is only going to rise. I know we hit the $2 billion figure a few years ago, and that is an historic milestone that I think we'll get to once, fingers crossed, the shovels are on the ground for the LRT. Because think of this, we're building a massive transportation link from one side of the city to the other, McMaster University to Eastgate Square, with many stops in between. It's going through the heart of the community, through the downtown core, and not only are there stops along the way, there is what we've been told, billions, with a B, billions of dollars in economic impact when it comes to businesses, condos, affordable housing, hopefully, along the LRT route. So that that $1 billion figure, and not too long ago, that $2 billion figure, I think is going to be surpassed. Could we hit three? I don't know. Hey, two and a half would be nice. But for 10 straight years, the city has shown that it is a place to build and grow. And you might be thinking, ah, you know, it's all, it's all houses that we're building. Well, that's not entirely true. Yes, the bulk of it is associated with the residential sector. 72.7% of this past year's construction value is in housing. And that is a significant number. Actually, that's up 31% over the previous three-year average, totaling nearly $750 million. So three-quarters of that $1 billion is in the residential sector. And thankfully so, because as, as we know, in the housing industry, we need more homes in this city. I mean, every every city across the land is saying that. But a big part of that is also the industrial, commercial, and institutional sector. And combined, 
That comes in at nearly 26% of that construction value. That's a, that's a healthy number. And that $1 billion figure, I mean, not only does it look nice, but it's also an indication, too, that let's not forget over the past couple of years, we've been in a pandemic. And so to continue to hit that number tells you a lot about what you need to know about this city. If you're not originally from here, if you've recently moved here, or you're out of town, you work out of town, you just happen to listen to the station because you love it, number one, thanks. But number two, there's a big reason why developers, construction companies are looking to this city to say, yeah, this is where I want to build. Number one, it's a great place to live. It's a very diverse and multicultural city. The people in this city um, love Hamilton. They're proud of it. And rightfully so. There's a lot to be proud of. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of transplanted GTA people or Torontonians who now live in this community. And, you know, they're looking around thinking, wow, you know what? I'm glad I moved here. This is a pretty cool place. Not only are the houses much cheaper than Toronto and the cost of living is a lot cheaper, but it is a great place to live, work and play. And ultimately, that's what we want our city to be, the best place to live, work and play. And I think the city has done a fine job over the past number of years in achieving that. Uh, we were hoping to get the mayor on this topic, but um, he must be tied up with other more important things, and that is okay. We'll get him on on another program um, or another time. By the way, the uh, industrial commercial institutional sector brought in $265 million in economic uh, construction activity, which is fairly consistent with three-year average, according to the city of Hamilton. So thumbs up all around to the construction industry and those at City Hall for pushing the right buttons and getting the right projects Uh, agreed upon and committed to in this community. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It has been a long time, and it was a long time, on the air for Paul Hanover, Hamilton's Mayor of the Morning, the longtime iconic morning show host here at 900 CHML, passed away yesterday at the age of 97. Of course, you're invited to dial us in again at the same time then. This is Paul Hanover saying goodnight for Paul Page and his orchestra. It was certainly a simpler time when Hanover started his career at CHML in 1945. Yeah, right at the end of the war. And he was the celebrated mayor of the morning until 1982. He ultimately retired from radio in 1991. And he has left a legacy that has been unmatched. And for guys like me, and really everyone who has worked at the radio station since, it is a carrying of the torch. And um, I would say that Paul held it the highest of them all. Hanover got a start in radio in Sault Ste. Marie, of all places, in the 1940s, then moved over to Chatham before he arrived back home in Hamilton. They kept dropping into the radio station, and I got lucky because at this one particular day, one of the uh, uh, announcers at the time who was, who was uh, sort of imbuing once in a while, he disappeared. So I got hired <laughs> because of uh, bad drinking, but not on my part. And it, w- it worked out perfectly, obviously. Hanover was visiting his girlfriend here in Hamilton as he was working in Chatham, would make the drive uh, into Hamilton to visit his girlfriend, and then would hop on to the radio station to say, hey, what's going on? I'm in the radio biz. Shook some hands, made a, a great impression, obviously, on 
former station manager, longtime station manager, Tom Darling, who Paul says gave him his big shot. He saw possibility in me that I never saw. And he gave me, uh, you know, the morning show, and uh, I developed it to uh, more than just an announcer, to make it a personality thing and make and draw in the whole city on, on the radio. In a 2016 interview with CHML's Scott Radley, Hanover recalled how station manager Tom Darling gave him the name Mayor of the Morning. He traveled around a lot. He uh, went down to the States, Chicago in particular, listened to what the broadcasters was doing there, and he heard this thing called the Mayor of the Morning. And uh, he says, hey, I like that. So he came back and not only um, gave me the name, but he made sure all the mayors around the town came in and officially declared me Mayor of the Morning. (laughs) That's how you do it. Not only do you steal a moniker from somewhere else, you have all the mayors in the area come into the radio station to anoint him the mayor of the morning, and and the name stuck, and the name certainly fit. Paul Hanover joins CHML for the radio station's 90th anniversary in 2017. I'm just sitting here looking at a bright sunshine out the window, and also I got um, all my photographs uh, sitting in front of me in case I want to remember uh, some of the old-timers. There's uh, Gordy Tapp, and uh, there's Purse Allen, and there's... um, uh, me. <laughs> yes, he is definitely one of the legends. Uh, you can throw the likes of Norm Marshall in there, uh, Ken Sobel, and the list goes on and on and on. Paul Hanover, one of the greatest, and a, a a name and a voice that more than a generation, generations of CHML listeners had grown to love. And you probably remember back in 2017, uh, there was a story about Paul Hanover Uh, being diagnosed with cancer. And he was given just several months, uh, basically a year, maybe two, to live. Uh, At the end of the day, though, he was misdiagnosed. It wasn't a cancer diagnosis. And so he lived, uh, well, at least six more years and made every bit of those count. Back in 1957... Paul Hanover was on the air speaking about the 40th anniversary of the time of the Battle of Vimy Ridge. Forty years ago today, it was over the top for the Canadian lads in the First World War I. The Canadian Corps, the full fighting force, came into being in the Battle of Vimy Ridge. Today is the anniversary of that battle. I remember Vimy Ridge because of the year 1936. On Sunday, July 26th of 1936, King Edward VIII unveiled the Vimy Ridge Memorial before a gathering of government and military officials and 6,000 men and women who made a pilgrimage from Canada to the sacred ground donated to the Canadians by a grateful French government. 24 of that 6,000 were from Hamilton. The monument, the work of Torontonian Walter Alley, was completely sculpture and build. It took only one glorious day to make it all possible. Today we have the Vimy Ridge Memorial. Two great pylons rise majestically to a height of nearly 140 feet bearing heroic figures symbolizing justice, truth, knowledge, and peace. Between the pylons, there is a sculpted group representing the spirit of sacrifice passing the torch to a comrade. Above the Moscone platform and enclosure, the names of 11,500 Canadians who had no known graves are carved in the wall. 
67,000 Canadians fought at Vimy Ridge, 11,500 pounds. So tonight, I'm indeed an honor to pass along this salute to the old quest, as I see it. Good night. <laughs> Tomorrow night, same time, Paul Hanover returns on 900 PHML. Uh, number one, obviously the quality back in 1957 wasn't as crystal clear as it is today. And number two, can we get that theme music here on the morning show? Can we revive that? And it's, it's, it's punchy, punchy for the morning. Uh, Beyond Radio, Paul Hanover was also named to Hamilton's Gallery of Distinction, and rightfully so, recognizing his services on numerous charitable boards and committees. And I did not know this, that he uh, hosted game shows on CTV, including It's Your Move. He was a track announcer for the Jockey Club. I did know that. And uh, he was everywhere in the community emceeing uh, events here, there, and everywhere, including the Benebrith Sports Celebrity Dinner, which uh, is a phenomenal event. He also spent a lot of his time at the YMCA, or the Beverly Golf Club, and uh, served on numerous charitable boards and committees. Citizen of the Year for the JNF Negev Dinner in 1974. Uh, Paul Hanover uh, passing away at the age of 97 yesterday. And his radio sign-off, you'll probably recall if you're a long-time listener, do as you would be did by. Paul, thanks for your uh, life and legacy and all that you've contributed to Canadian radio, especially here at 900 CHML. You will be sorely missed. He is survived by his sister Faye, his sons Ian and Lawrence, grandchildren Tova, Aaron, and Gabriella, great-grandchildren Anna, Nora, Charlie, Sam, and Adam. Paul Hanover. A legendary figure here on 900 CHML and Canadian Radio. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Have you heard about this story? You know the restaurant Freshie? You've probably seen or heard about it. Well, the founder of this restaurant chain has brought in a video calling device that replaces cashiers. Now, it's it's not a new phenomenon. We've seen... The automated cashiers really at every grocery store here, there, and everywhere, right? And, and I remember doing this topic on the show a few months ago. Do you usually go to a live human being at the cash register or do you opt to go it alone, do it yourself at the automated self-serve kiosk? And I'll admit nine times out of ten, and maybe even more than that, maybe it's 9.5 times out of ten, I'll just go to the automated cashier. It's not that I don't like people <laughs> or, or I don't think they're going to do a better job than I because they probably do. I just like the convenience of doing it myself. And it, maybe it's just that I'm, I'm one of those people that just likes to do things. I just want to get it done. Let me take care of it. I don't care if I'm going to bungle it or maybe I'm going to ask for help in this regard or I can't find the code of these darn mushrooms. I had that happen to me the other day. But this idea of virtual um, cashiers, if you will, is a little bit different. Because this will and has at certain freshy restaurants, I'm not 100% sure that this is already in effect in Hamilton. It could be soon, though. These virtual cashiers replace the human beings. So sometime soon in Hamilton, if you visit a freshy restaurant, I think there's three or four of them in town. 
and you go up to the desk, and I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work, but you will engage with a virtual cashier. So picture this, you're at the counter, and maybe you're going to order a breakfast or a wrap or a bowl or a salad, whatever the case is. And you are talking into a screen with a person who's on the screen and putting in your order. But the person on the screen is nowhere near the store. The person on the screen is nowhere near the city that you are in. The person on the screen is nowhere near the country that you are in. Yes, indeed, do. These virtual cashiers are in places like Nicaragua, Pakistan, India, various other locations across the world. There's nearly a hundred of them in these virtual spaces catering to your needs. And so here is the really interesting part of it is that what's the minimum wage here in Ontario? $15 an hour? You know, still very low for many individuals in this community who are trying to make ends meet with rising gas and food and inflation and yada, yada, yada. And so these virtual cashiers make, get this, $3.75 an hour. Oh, if you're a member of a union, you have just exploded. Three seventy-five an hour. Virtual cashiers replacing, you know, a a hardworking, dedicated individual, maybe a single parent, maybe someone who has two or three jobs, making minimum wage at a place like this, and instead, this company is going out. And hiring, (laughs) barely, a virtual cashier from another country and paying them a pittance. And so this had really raised my eyebrow. Number one, is, is, is this going to be the trend? Are other companies, grocery stores, restaurants, you name it, looking at this business model thinking, hmm, instead of paying three or four teenagers or Uh, adults at least $15 an hour. I can pay these virtual cashiers $3.75 and make a little more cash at the end of the day. I don't think I like this. Case in point, anytime you call customer service at certain businesses, maybe even most businesses, you're not talking to an individual in Canada You're out into the abyss of our planet. Who knows where they're from or where they are? And the customer service is a little lacking, a lot lacking. Why do businesses do that? Well, it's for the bottom line. A lot cheaper, apparently, to hire a conglomerate call center in Timbuktu as opposed to employing someone in downtown Hamilton or somewhere in the GTA or somewhere in Canada even. And so whether this sets a a dangerous precedent or not, I don't like it. I don't like the feel of it. I don't like the look of it. And I think employers will get hosed if this catches on. So, uh, listen, uh, shrewd business move, undoubtedly. Dangerous one, that remains to be seen. We'll see how this plays out with Freshie restaurants. I don't think there's going to be a backlash. You know, people aren't going to visit Freshie and think, oh, a virtual cashier, I'm out of here. Now, if they really want the food, they really want to shop at that restaurant, They'll do so. But it'll be interesting to see how and if this catches fire. We'll keep tabs on it. If it does, 
We'll certainly bring it to you. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. How about these stats for you? More people bought vinyl records than CDs in 2020 for the first time ever. And in 2021, for the first time in 35 years, vinyl sales topped a billion dollars. What gives? Why the comeback? Eric Alper is a publicist and music commentator and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Eric, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. I I think all day today, if anybody asks me a question, I'm going to answer with, because Greece is the word. (laughs) I I think that and because the answer is blowing in the wind might be the two greatest answers to any question. Um, This is amazing, isn't it? Where Did you ever expect in your lifetime, and I know that you've worked a long time in radio, that you would see a comeback like vinyl record jumping 61% in sales last year, the most since 1986, when everybody was buying vinyl because there were no music streaming services. Cassettes were there, but there were no CDs. It's, it's, it's astounding, really. I would have never expected to this degree to see vinyl sales top a billion dollars. Like, that is crazy. Yeah, and it's it's what's interesting is that, you know, if you were to ask people, who do you think are buying vinyl record? They would all say, oh, it's older people. It's nostalgic boomers or Gen Xers, but it's not. It's actually, it's actually, you know, millennials that are buying it. In fact, if you go to the top vinyl sales of, Last year, it was Adele's 30 at number one, Olivia Rodrigo's Sour at number two. (laughs) Taylor Swift has three albums in the top 10. Uh, Harry Styles, Billie Eilish, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain, and The Beatles, Abbey Road. So it's not like it's the touring business where five out of every 10 artists that are making money on the road are older than 60 years old. This is definitely... A little bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's millennials that are buying their music for the first time on vinyl records. So why are millennials gravitating to vinyl records? I I think, you know, the last two years, I don't think can be understated of being inside, having a nostalgic, wandering, wistful moments in our lives due to COVID and being isolated had a lot to do with it, even though that digital streaming services like Spotify are available more and more and becoming cheaper. I think people are realizing that those platforms, they compress the sound files to reduce their size, making them more consumer friendly. But vinyl records have always sounded warmer. It sounded fuller. There's something about looking at artwork and liner notes and lyric sheets, things that you and I and a lot of our audience grew up just staring at for hours and days and weeks because you couldn't buy a vinyl record unless you had enough money to go buy another one. So you were stuck with the one that you bought. And there's something very cool about millennials having that same aspect of it because vinyl records are expensive. The average price is usually somewhere around $25 to $35 because there's, you know, there's not enough um, vinyl pressing plant to meet the demand of vinyl records. So therefore the music industry has to raise the price. That's also 
why when you and I talk about the billion dollars, it's a little misleading mm-hmm. because it's not like that we're dealing with $15 items. We're dealing with, in some cases, $45, $50 for Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon or Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album. Eric Alper is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Eric is a publicist and music commentator, and we're commenting about the return and the resurgence of vinyl records. There is something personal about uh, you know holding on to a vinyl record you, you mentioned you know looking at the artwork and you know reading maybe the story about the band or this particular album the digital or streaming world is much more sterile there's nothing really to hold on to yeah and it's amazing because there's music everywhere you have spotify apple you have music licensed by companies to fitness and so many other apps the rise of tiktok to become the dominant social media platform for millennials thrives on music it thrives on average people lip syncing and doing dances and doing skits and having music as part of their videos but there is something amazing about the fact that the music industry last year brought in about you know 15 billion dollars in terms of all revenue in north america streaming bought about 12.4 billion dollars of it so it's roughly about 83 percent so it doesn't make it seem like vinyl records is really having that much of an impact because if it only made a billion dollars 1.5 billion that's really only you know whatever the math is like just a, a, a slim bar to the pie um but it is one of those formats that i think people still like to hold on to something you know in a world where you don't have to own your own house you can rent it you don't have to own a car you can just take uber you don't have to buy a book um there's so many apps but you know there was a a a news report that came out this week that independent bookstores right across north america are thriving as well even though we still have amazon and all of these apps to read on our tablet or on our phone there's just something about I think the fact of of holding something and taking the time away from whatever else is going on, sitting down and reading a book or listening to a vinyl record, I think that that will never go away. Yeah, I totally agree. Eric, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the rest of the day. You too. Thanks for having me, Rick. We'll talk soon. That's Eric Alper, publicist and music commentator. And yeah, from a sound perspective... I was mentioning this to a CHML listener earlier today. There's nothing like a vinyl record. It just hits your soul in a different way. You can feel the music. Much more different experience when you're listening to it on streaming or digital. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.